it's so good to see you guys this morning. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on, you make a little bit of noise. Yes. We believe God's going to do some great things today and continue to speak to you. I know that he has spoken to you already through our unbelievable team members who serve here every Sunday. Can we just give it for the team members that serve every Sunday to make this happen? And, and I know the Lord's been speaking to you through the worship about just getting our hearts back to just focus on him, which is a very appropriate for today's topic of where we're headed as we just focus on Jesus. And so I don't know if you're visiting with us, if it's your first time or first time in a long time. We're just going to trust that God's going to do something. Welcome here, your family. Thank you for coming, hanging out with us. We want to welcome everyone watching online as well. Thank you for being here. But we just believe that God's going to do something in your heart this morning. So I hope you come expecting to hear from Him. So come on, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we get to come here and worship you today. From the freedom that has been given to us to come and worship you and to lift up your son Jesus, God, we thank you. God, we all come in here with different things in our hearts and our mind and distractions and, and Thanksgiving and Black Fridays and sales that we did not get regret and things we bought now that we regret and traveling, all these different things, Lord. But I just hope for the next few moments that you would just calm our hearts and you would open our eyes that we will encounter you this morning, that we will see you this morning, that when we leave here, we won't be talking about so much about worship, so much about the message, but we'll be talking about that we've encountered you. So God, do what only you could do. That's open the eyes of our heart that we may see you. And I pray that the word will fall on good soil this morning, that, our, that it will take root in our life and you, God, would cause it to grow. And Father, we also pray today at 2 p.m., that MSU basketball team wins their home game. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on out. Everybody says, amen, amen. Come on. Come on. Thank you so much, worship team. One town, one team, right? We got to be praying uh, for our people in our backyard. Awesome. Well, man, so good to see you. Take a moment for the person beside you. Tell them you're glad you're here. Say, I'm so glad that you're here. Go ahead. Say, I'm glad that you are here. Look back. Say, I'm full. <laughs> I'm still full from this week. Man, it's been good. If you're visiting with us, we're in the series called Listen today. We finished this series called Listen. We talked about really just how to get in position to hear God speak. And if we're going to get in position, the first week we talked about preparation, right? How to get our hearts ready that we will get in position for God to speak directly to us. And then we learned about how to hear God speak and how does God speak to us today? And God speaks to us in many different ways, but how do I know that it's the voice of God? And all this is online. We encourage you to go back and watch it. If you, if you missed it. And then last week we talked about how to specifically pray for those, our friends and our family that don't know Jesus. All of us have people in our lives that don't know Jesus. We have family members that you got to hang out with this past week. We have friends that you love and you adore and they don't have a relationship with Jesus. How do you specifically pray for someone who doesn't know Jesus? And last week we just took time and we walked through that. What does that actually look like? If you missed or if you're visiting with us, we encourage you to go back and check that out because we all have people in our life that we love, that we want them to come to faith in Christ. And there's a certain way that we can pray for them. And the whole point of that also too is because we really believe that God is stirring up the church, that God is doing something in our 
missed. And next Sunday, one of my great friends, Clayton's coming, who's an evangelist, is going to preach the gospel. This is a great opportunity for you to get your friend to church, to get your family member to church, your aunt, your uncle, your parent, your kid, your coach, your, your roommate, your classmate, whoever that may be. You have an opportunity to bring them to a place they can hear the gospel preached and that their lives can be changed. So we're praying for them through this week. We've been praying over the names. We're going to continue to pray over those names. And if you did miss last week and you want to give us a name, just write down the first name and we're going to be praying for them this week as you pray for them as well. But I'll say the best for last. Today, we're going to be talking about fasting. Yes, is that not the best for last? I waited till after Thanksgiving to talk about this because we're full, right? And so some of us can skip a meal. Some of us need to skip two meals. You know what I'm saying? All right, I mean, we're ready for that because we've ate so much over the last weekend. And so what does actually does it mean to fast? And honestly, most Christians really don't know what this means. They really don't know how so much to do it because the reality is most churches don't talk about it. Most churches don't really talk about fasting. They kind of overlook it. Not that, not that it's a bad thing. It's just there's probably other things to talk about. But if we're going to be talking about prayer, we need to be talking about fasting as well. So what is fasting? Let's just walk through this. What is fasting? Well, according to the Bible, fasting means to reduce or eliminate the intake of food for a specific time. And a specific purpose. Let me restate that. A biblical fast is to abstain from food for a, for a specific time, for a specific spiritual purpose. Now, early on as a believer, when I thought about fasting, and just really because I really didn't dive into the Word and really study fasting, I would assume you could fast for anything. For instance, for instance some of you, you may fast from uh, caffeine. You fast from caffeine for 30 days, or you fast from social media for 30 days, which a lot of you need to do that, really, honestly. Some of you fast for TV. Like, I'm going to give up something for 30 days, and you call it a fast. Well, early on as a believer, I, I would say, okay, whatever you want to fast from, just fast from it. However, when you look at it in the scriptures, biblically, it means to abstain from food. It means to that you will absolutely deny the flesh what it needs so that you could focus on Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong that you should take a break from social media. In fact, you should or TV or caffeine or anything that you want to for that matter. However, a biblical fast is that you would abstain from food, that you would deny your flesh because your body has to have it so that you will focus on God. For most of us, we don't have to have TV. We don't have to have Twitter. We don't have to have social media. We don't have to have Facebook. Some of you are addicted. You probably need to see a counselor because you're so addicted to Facebook. But for reality is most of you don't need that to live or survive. So a true biblical fast is that someone would abstain for a specific time, for a specific spiritual purpose from food. So fasting really is not so much about food as it is about focused. And so many people ask sometimes, well, is it a command in the Bible or in the New Testament for us to, to fast? And in the New Testament, we are not commanded to fast. There's not a command or an imperative that says you must fast. In fact, it's a given. It's just assumed that if you're a believer that some point in your life or some point in a situation or a trial that you would fast. So just because it's not commanded in the New Testament to do it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. In fact, I would encourage you 
to fast, especially as we talk through the reasons why we should do it. So when should someone fast, right? When should you do that? When actually, no, when should I decide that I need to skip a meal or something to focus on a spiritual uh, specific area or problem or task in my life? When should I do that? Well, when you look through the scriptures, when it comes to fasting, the Bible, we don't talk much about it. There's not like a, a lot of things to talk about it. But when you look where fasting is tied to, you begin to picture this. When there's deep sorrow in your life, you should probably fast. When there's a deep grief or pain in your life, you should probably fast. Fasting was always somewhere connected to people who were mourning. They lost a loved one, so they fasted to a specific spiritual to draw close to the Lord. Their heart was broken, so they fasted. So when you look through the scriptures, it was connected to grief, and it was connected to sorrow. We also know in, in, in Daniel, it was connected to a specific special revelation from God, that Daniel was crying out to God, so he fasted for an answer for a specific revelation that God would give him. We see that Jesus, before he kicked off his ministry, for 40 days and for 40 nights, he did a supernatural actually fast. Well, he's God, he could do this. He did a 40 days and 40 nights and he fasted right before he went and, 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 and chose the disciples and kicked off his ministry and did things. So he got before God before a very specific ministry or task came his way and he fasted. In Acts 13, they said they were fasting saying, God, what leaders of the church are you wanting to send out? And the Holy Spirit called some people look through the Bible and they think that people are not called. But Acts 13 said the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas, or Saul at the time, and Barnabas to go out into the mission field. And so it was fasting for the decision what the church needed to do. And God did a breakthrough and spoke through the Holy Spirit. I would also encourage you this morning, if you're suffering emotionally, if you're suffering through depression or anxiety, I want to encourage you to pray about fasting. That you would fast in the moment because when these, you see in the scripture, when people were struggling with a trial or, or they were suffering something traumatic in their life, like debilitating as depression or anxiety would be, I would encourage you to say, you know, maybe the Lord may lead you on a fast. Here's the reality. When you are so consumed about a matter in your life that is more important to you than food, then you should probably fast that you should probably say, you know what, I need to get before the Lord and fast through this. And so the passage we're going to focus on today is in Matthew chapter 16. So grab your Bibles, go with me to Matthew, sorry, chapter 6, when the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addresses this. And this is pretty fascinating when you begin to see how Jesus moves through this passage, because the reality is he is challenging the spiritual elite. He is challenging the Pharisees with different things through Matthew chapter 6. He starts in Matthew chapter 6 about giving. He says, if you give to the needy, and the Pharisees would stand and they would give out in public so people could see what they were giving. And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. You should give secretly. You should give in, 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 in secrecy so your Father in heaven sees this. So what is Jesus saying? Giving is a motive issue. And a motive issue is a heart issue. So giving is a heart issue. It's not I'm a broke issue. I don't make enough money issue. I pay too much in taxes issue. Giving is a heart issue. It's not a budget issue. It's not a complaining. So if you're not generous, if you're not giving, it's not because you're broke. It's not because you pay too much in taxes. It's not because you're not on a budget. It's a heart issue. 
So the Bible wants us to know that giving is a heart issue. And then it goes into the Lord's Prayer. This is how you ought to pray. Now the Lord's Prayer is not given to us as something that we repeat over and over and over as more as it is a formula as you can look through and pray. There's nothing wrong praying the Lord's Prayer. But he's saying this is how you should pray. And then he goes and says, and when you pray, go into your prayer closet, which is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. So Matthew chapter 6 talks about quit doing things for public spectacular that people see. Give is a heart issue. Give secretly. Praying is a heart issue. Pray secretly. And then he goes right into fasting. So he talks about giving and prayer. And then right here, right behind the Lord's prayer, he tucks in this quick couple verses on fasting. And so there's really not much really to, to go on. So that's why I want to dive into this passage. Let's see what the Bible has to say about fasting. Because there's a wrong way and there's a right way to fast. And we're going to look through that. And then you pray and see if the Lord may be calling you or challenge you maybe to fast. So let's jump in. If you're ready to get started, say let's go. All right. In Jesus' day, fasting became this ritual to gain merit for God and attention of men. They thought if you would fast, you would get God's attention. See, a lot of people think when they're fasting, I got to get God's attention here. So I'm going to starve my flesh, something my flesh needs, so that I can get God's approval or attention. And the Pharisees picked up. The Pharisees are like the spiritual, religious, elite gurus of the day. They knew everything about the Bible backwards and forwards, but they didn't know Jesus. They were empty inside. And so the Pharisees, according to Luke chapter 18, begin to fast two days a week. So they were so, so important to let you know, hey, we fast, man. We fast. Not only do we give, we see that because they give out in public. Not only do they pray, we know that because they pray loud in the public square for people to hear their eloquent prayers. But we fast. And we fast two days a week. Now, they would fast on Monday and Thursday. What's so significant about Monday and Thursday? Well, they would say that that's the day, and that's what we believe is the day that Moses Monday and Thursday went up to Mount Sinai and he got the tablets, he got the law, and he brought down. So the Pharisees, because they were so super spiritual, would fast on Monday and they would fast on Thursday as if they were coordinated with the law of Moses when Moses went up and Moses came down. However, Monday and Thursday was when the Jewish marketplace was overflowing with people. People were everywhere on Monday and Thursday. So Monday and Thursday, the Pharisees would go out and they would make sure the people saw them give. They would stand in the marketplace and pray so people could hear their eloquent prayers. And then they would fast. They would, they would sit there to let you know they were fasting so you would think, oh my gosh, man, I wish I was a Pharisee. Man, I wish I was spiritual like them. And right here in these couple passages, Jesus takes a jab at the spiritual elite and says, wait, you guys absolutely have this backwards. So look what he says in Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. Remember, we come off giving, we come off the Lord's prayer, right into fasting. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, Put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will, what's this? We reward you. He will reward you specifically. 
So let me talk to you first about the scripture says the wrong way to fast. We know fasting means to abstain from food. We'll get to that back just in a moment. How is there a wrong way to fast? Well, in verse 16, he says this, when you fast, let's just stop right there. He didn't command you. That's not an imperative. It's not as even as a suggestion. He's, he's assuming that to his disciples, they're going to come a point, you're going to fast. And when you fast, here's how you do it. Here's the wrong way to do it. Don't look somber as the hypocrites. Put, and they disfigure their faces and show that they're fasting. For they have received their reward in full. And this is what's fascinating. The Pharisees were denying their flesh. They're supposed to be denying the flesh. But now they're glorifying their flesh by letting everyone know that they are fasting. So there is danger in fasting. And what is the danger in fasting? Here's some dangers. One, there's a danger in just gaining, trying to gain a sense of God's approval. Some of you might say, you know, well, man, if, if fasting is so important and it moves mountains and there's breakthroughs, then maybe I should fast to get God's approval or to wake God up or that God would recognize me and see that I am just skipping a meal. As there's more to it than just skipping a meal. So the danger is I'm going to fast maybe this week is just to get God's approval. Just to let God, just to let him know that I'm doing this so God would might like me more. That's dangerous. God already loves you and there's nothing you could ever do to separate yourself from God's love. He already loves you. In fact, he not only loves you, watch this, he likes you. I mean, that's crazy. Look at the person beside you and say, God likes you. Tell him. Look back and say, well, I don't know if I like you that much, but I'm glad God likes you. You know, I mean, God, God likes you. He likes you. So there's danger in trying to get a sense of God's approval. There's danger just fulfilling a religious act. Well, pastor talked about fasting, so maybe I should try to fast this week just to do a religious act. There's danger in that. Danger in just recognition of men, right? You go to work and you skip a meal and you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm hungry. Well, why don't you go eat? <laughs> I'm not fasting. I'm not fasting today. Scott, I've got a fast going on. Fasting, right? There's danger into doing that. Because there's people I know, they fast, and they, they're so bold and bragging. They actually come and tell you, like, hey, I'm fasting. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, where to go? You know, what do you want me? And I think, honestly, it's because really, and even myself, because I was ignorant about it early on, is they just don't know what the Bible says about fasting, because they think it's just about skipping a meal. And it's not just about skipping a meal. They gain recognition of other people. Here's another danger. They're feeling super spiritual. Man, I fasted this week, so, man, I'm super spiritual, y'all. I got it going on. God, like the Holy Spirit's really on my side now. No, there's danger in that, of being overconfidence. Like, like just because the fast took place or that you would change your appearance and act a different way, like I just talked about, behave a different way because you want people to know that you're fasting. And the Bible says, here's what your reward is. Human recognition. That's what you'll get. People walk by and go, man, I wish I was spiritual like you. Man, I wish I was faithful as you. And that's your reward, is that people would recognize that you have been fasting. And so we got to work through this because the Pharisees were so concerned about their reputation to look spiritual that they would, they would dishonor their character, which means this, when your reputation has become more important than your character, you have become a hypocrite. A hypocrite. We all know what hypocrites are, right? The word hypocrite really just means acting. It's a stage play. It means two-faced. It means two-mask. It means I come out here and I act a certain way, then I go back behind stage and I put another mask on and I turn into a different character. 
That's what it means to be a hypocrite. It means to be multiple masked, multiple faced. It means to be two faced. See, like some week, last week you came in here in church and you raised your hanky and we had our church face on and we partied. It was awesome and God moved and it was great. And this week then you went to work for just a couple days and you put your work mask back on. And then all of a sudden on Wednesday after work, you said tomorrow we get to hang out with your, your crazy uncle with his new wife this week in Thanksgiving. So I hope all hell don't break loose at grandma's house, right? Come on now, I'm preaching to somebody. Am I the only one with a dysfunctional family in the house? You know what I'm talking about, right? And all of a sudden, now you put your family face back on, right? You put your family mask back on. And finally, after they leave, you take your family mask back off, and then you put your backstabbing mask back on. You talk about all negative how your, how your family acts. Oh, I'm preaching now. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's what it means to be a hypocrite. You put multiple masks on, determined on, on, on the people that you're around. That's why we talk so important about integrity. Integrity is being the same person every place, at work, at home, at the ball game, on Black Friday sales. Can I get a witness? That's the person of integrity. That's what it means to be a person of integrity. This is me. Like me, love me, don't like me. I'm the same on stage. I'm in your house, in your living room, or going to eat. Because I have nothing to hide. I'm not trying to be two-faced or two-masked. But the Pharisees were hypocrites. And the hypocrite, listen, with wrong motives, will rob you. Being a hypocrite will rob you of your character, of who God wants to shape you and to be. Being a hypocrite will rob you of spiritual rewards that God wants to bless you with, but your motives are wrong. See, God looks at the heart, why you do what you do. That's why he's talking to the Pharisees. Listen, I love that you give, but you're giving with the wrong motive. I love that you pray, but you're praying out loud in public for people to listen to you for the wrong motive. Do this in secret. It's a heart issue. You're fasting. I'm so glad that you fast, but you're fasting with the wrong motives. That's why this should be done in secret. Don't worry what everybody else thinks. I see what's being done. And I'm the only one that matters. And folks, we can run the gamut on this. We could talk about no one ever notices me at work. No one ever notices me at church. No one ever sees what I do. No one sees how I give. No one sees how I serve. No one sees how I help. God does. And he's the only audience you need. You don't do this for me. I don't do this for you. We serve. We give. We pray. We fast. Why? Unto him who is worthy of our praise. So listen, that's what the enemy wants to say. No one notices you. No one recognizes you at work. You should be the boss now. I don't know why you're not the boss. In fact, you should work your way. No one likes you. You just be faithful and do you, and God will take you to the place where he needs you to be. If he can find Moses on the back of a desert, I promise you he can find you in your cubicle and send you to where he wants you. To go, and then here's a big one, a hypocrite, being a hypocrite. And this is really what hurts most of us who are Christians, because we're not perfect. We know that. Is it robs us of our spiritual influence. And this is really, I think, what's done the damage to the church. Is because, honestly, we have multiple masks around people because we're broken and we need healing inside. We act a certain way around people, and here's what happens. It's robbed you of your spiritual influence, of the person's name that maybe you even wrote down last week that you're praying for. See, some of you are praying for a co-worker at work. I'm praying for Johnny, that Johnny gets saved, and that Johnny comes to faith. But guess what? You cuss just as much as Johnny cuss. You drink just as much as Johnny drinks. You laugh at the dirty jokes just as much as Johnny laughs at the dirty jokes. 
Like, oh, you want to go next to ladies? You gossip just like the ladies at work gossip. And they see you as a hypocrite because you say you go to Better Life Church and you say that you're a Christian and you say that God's changed your life and you say God and you do the exact same thing they do. And it's robbed you of your spiritual influence. No wonder when you go to them and invite them to church, like, why would I go to church with you, man? You act just like me. It ain't working for you. Students, you go to school and you're trying to get somebody, your friends to come to youth, try to get them to come to church with me. Why? When you do the same things they do. And like, what makes you different? Different. It's robbed you of your spiritual influence. Honestly, listen, the person that you're praying for that you're going to try to bring next week to hear the gospel, maybe what you need to do this week is go and to apologize to them. And say, I just want to let you know, God has just really shown me some things in my life, and I haven't been living the way I should, been, should be living. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. And tell them why. That I laugh at these things that do this. I say the same things. I gossip about so-and-so. We stab people in the back. And I'm right in there with you. And listen, I should not be acting that way as a follower of Jesus. I just want to let you know I'm sorry. You know what you just did when you said that? You just now build back the rapport. And they realize you're not perfect. I was just waiting for you to tell me that. And they now may come. And that's, and that's what it, a hypocrite does. And it's hurt the church so much. Because we won't be men and women of integrity and just say, you know what? Yes, we make mistakes. I still screw up. Man, I still make mistakes. I, I, I blow it. I don't try to hide it. So, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. And we move on. But the hypocrites and the Pharisees can never get to that place. And that's why Jesus has said, wait, 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 wait. Your motive is off. Your actions are off. So he goes on and says, there's a right way to fast. Look what he says in verse 17. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret. Now, don't watch this. I don't want you to miss this. He also sees what's done in public. He sees what the Pharisees have been doing in public. So he sees everything, public, private, secret. He, don't, he sees it all. He knows everything about, he knows our hearts. He knows everything about us. He says, when he sees what's done in secret, what he says, he will reward you. So what is the right way to fast? Look what he says. He says, oil, put oil on your head and wash your face. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that I should go around and, and, and try to get some olive oil or, or, or some type of oil and should just walk out and anoint myself? It's like, okay, it's time to fast. I'm super spiritual. Is that what that means? Because he's not literally telling us that we should go get oil and put oil on our face or we should wash our face before we fast. What is he saying? Well, it's the custom of the day that before you would go out in public, you would wash your face. And oil was more of a perfume, a, a, a fragrance, and you would put oil. And what he's trying to say is that you are to look as normal as possible. That's what he's saying. Because what the Pharisees would do is that they would paint their face pale Jesus looks at them and says, you're a whitewashed tomb on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. And they would paint themselves to look frail, and they would stand in the marketplaces on Monday and Thursday and go, oh, I'm so hungry, but man, I'm fasting. I don't know why they sound like hippies. I don't know that's what comes to my mind. I'm fasting, man. It's a great day. Super spiritual. I don't know. Y'all pray for me, man. 
But they would paint their face. And Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Wash your face. Put on your fragrance. You look as normal as possible. So that when you go out, it is not obvious that you're fasting. Because this is between you and the Lord. And then he goes on and says this. It's obvious that you are fasting, but only to your Father. Which means this, fasting is focusing on your Father who's in heaven, who loves you, who likes you, who wants a spiritual breakthrough for you, who doesn't want you to be depressed, anxious, who wants you to see His will, who wants to see people saved in your life. He loves you. And then it says, keep it a secret. Keep it a secret. Now, I'm going to be honest. That may be difficult for some of us who might be married, depending on what meal when we're fasting and how long the fast is. Because there may be a point where you need to share with your spouse, hey, this is what I'm doing for this. Just give me a heads up. And you've got to check your heart on that because, you know, I can know if my wife kept cooking meals for me every night and I would not eat, she's going to think something's up. Like, what's going on? What? So there may be a point, depending on how long it is that you fast, that you need to share with your spouse. Here's what I'm doing, just giving you a heads up. And then you go into what you need to do. But for the most part, it needs to be kept and secret. And then watch this. He says, you'll be rewarded. What's the reward? We like rewards, don't we? That's why some of you swipe like crazy this week. Rewards, 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 right? I mean, we love rewards. I mean, we justified. I got like 15 points for swipe. I got 50 buck Coles cash. Can I get a witness? Really? Oh, man. The psychology of marketing and buying and swiping. Speaking of that, it, really, if you guys need to work on a budget, we have some things, free resources to help you because we, we want you to win with your money. We don't want you to have regrets come January because you waste on stuff you don't need to impress people you don't even like. And so if you want that, we go to the red. We'll get you a budget. You can work on a budget because we want you to win with the money. But you know what the reward is? You ready for this? This is so good. You know what the reward is? God. His presence. His grace. His power. His strength. His voice, His guidance in your life, His will to be done. And more important, what we seek more than anything, His peace. That's your reward. Him. Because the reality is this, He's all that we need. He is our focus. And that's really what prayer and fasting is. Fasting is not about getting things from God. It's all about God. It's all about Him. So real quick, if you feel that God may be prompting you by learning about fasting, and you feel like God may be calling you to fast, maybe you're in sorrow or you're in deep grief right now, you may need to focus on fasting. Maybe you're in depression or anxiety, I would encourage you to pray about focusing on and fasting. Maybe you got a big decision coming up in your life, and you just need God's discernment and will and say, God, I just... I'm going to trust you and give this to you, and I'm going, to, I'm going to spend extra time in prayer and fasting because I have this in front of me. 
And so here's what I would encourage you to do. I thought through this, and like if you came and sat down with me and we're having a cup of coffee, that I'm not going to fast from caffeine. But if we had a cup of coffee, right, what would you say? Here's what I first thing I would say. I would honestly, I would tell you this. You need to check with your doctor first to make sure it's okay for you to skip a meal. I think that's just being wise. Is it okay for you? Maybe some people, because of certain situations or certain things in their life that you, you can't skip. Like you need to figure that out. That's okay. I would encourage you first. Am I healthy enough that I can skip a meal? Can I go without eating a meal? And then I would pick a specific meal to skip. If you're married and it's not a long time, maybe a lunch is a good time because most people work and you don't see what goes on at lunch. That's a great time for you maybe to, to skip. You find it, but then here's the big thing. You don't skip a meal just to be skipping a meal. Because if you skip a meal at work, let's say at lunch, and you decide to skip a meal, but you keep on working, you miss the whole point of the fast. The whole point is to find a place of solitude where you can get before God and pray and focus on Him. So don't just go, hey, I'm going to fast and I'm going to skip a meal, but I'm going to keep working all the way through lunch. That's not what fasting is. It's the way that I'm going to skip I'm going to find a place. I have to go to my car because I might not have a place at work I can do this. And I'm going to sit in for the next 30 minutes. And I'm just going to pray and I'm going to talk to Jesus. What do I do during that time? Well, first, here's what I would encourage you to pray. God, search my heart and see if there's any offense in me. God, is there anything between me and you that I need to deal with right now as I come before you? If God shows you something you said, you did, you tried, you shouldn't be doing, confess it. He's faithful and just. He will forgive you right then on the spot. And then listen, and it may be something you're praying through. God, I'm praying through the decision at work. God, we're praying through this. God, you know what? I'm just depressed right now, and I haven't sensed you in months. I haven't heard you in months. I haven't felt you in months. And I just come before you to put away the flesh, what my flesh needs to say, you are all that I need. And God, I just need an encounter with you right now in my car. I don't know. Maybe for you, you're going to get before the Lord this week, and, and potentially, maybe, I'm not telling you to go and fast. Uh, I'm not calling a corporate fast. It's just between you and the Lord. If you Maybe you say, no, the person that I'm praying for that I'm going to bring next, next Sunday is I'm going I'm to fast and I'm going to get before God and I'm going to intercede on their behalf. Intercession is what is prayer. And I'm just going to pray for them by name that God would open their eyes, their heart would be fertile to the gospel, that God would cause it to grow, that the enemy won't come and snatch that seed next week. Whenever. And I'm just going to spend some time for them praying for them. Maybe the Lord will lead you to do that. But you, you find a specific time, a specific meal that you will skip. And the whole point is to focus on Jesus in that moment and pray. And then listen to him and do whatever he asks you to do. In the scripture, fasting is always linked with prayer. Always. Listen, you can pray without fasting. But you cannot biblically fast without praying. They go hand in hand all the way through the scripture. Fasting and praying. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your heads. I've really enjoyed this series. It's been a, a good series of talking about praying and prayer and learning how to pray and communicate with God and if you're going to talk about prayer, you need to talk about fasting. They go hand in hand. And so maybe the Lord has spoken to you and challenged you today that you need to think through some things. Awesome. Maybe your mind's been changed a little bit, understanding more about fasting really means. Great. I would encourage you to just to talk to the Lord about that. But maybe you're here 
and you don't know Jesus. You don't know. I mean, you know him intellectually, but you don't have a relationship with him. Man, today's an awesome day. We've even got the baptism tank ready, man. We've got everything you need. And if you've never been baptized, man, let's do it. We're going to have another one. You have no excuse. We have shirts for you and clothes for you and chains, and, and we, we're ready. Follow Jesus. Be obedient in baptism. But maybe you're here and you just don't know him. Well, the Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whoever, well, you don't know where I've said, whoever, you don't know where I've been, whoever, you don't know the things I've tried, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. And if that's you this morning, would you call upon him? Saying a prayer won't save you. We know that. But my lips can proclaim what my heart declares. And if my heart declares Jesus Christ is Lord, then my lips can proclaim it. To say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I'm going to surrender my life to you. And give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Help me live for you all the days of my life. If that's you, I, I know we're just a few minutes we're running over, but if that's you and you pray that with me, I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm actually going to ask you to stand up. If you just pray that with me, let's make this public. Would you stand to your feet if you just pray that with me to give your life to Jesus? Come on. Anybody? Come on. Anybody else? You're going to make this public. What it does in secret when we confess our sins, God changes our lives. Woo. But when God sets you free, you let the world know it. And you proclaim it from the rooftops. You know why you have the courage and you're able to stand? It's because Jesus empowered you to do that. Now, every one of you standing, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to ask you just in a moment, if you'll go to the Red Room, we have a free resource we want to give you. Just to say thank you for giving your life to Jesus. Your life has been ever been changed for the day for what he did in your life. Church, now look up here at me. The Bible says that when one person gives their life to Jesus, the heavens rejoice. Do you know that we just saw several people stand and give their life to Jesus? So come on, let's all stand up and let's continue to worship. Come on. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app, available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.